And the first step in formulating any kind of financial plan, whether you're going to be saving money, whether you're going to be investing money, um, it's, it's understanding what your expenses are. So the earlier you can get across and on top of that information, um, the better. Welcome back to season two of the Entrepreneurial Mindset. My name is Nelson. I'm currently the head of programs at Generation Entrepreneur, and I'm joined here by the lovely Gabby Burns. Aww. Thank you so much for joining today. My pleasure. It's absolutely amazing to have you. And uh, fun fact, I used to work with Gabby at Finder, um, and back then, actually one of the earliest memories with you, um, Gabby, was when you were running these speed mentoring sessions, and you were teaching me about <laughs> high interest uh, bank accounts, and I was learning a lot about the Westpac deals back then, yes. 3% interest, uh, all that kind of stuff, and I think it was it was absolutely amazing. Gotcha. So I'm really excited today. Back um, then to we get... thought 3% interest was really bad, look at it now. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. So I think um, that was amazing um, knowledge to, to learn from you and hear from you. So I think today there's so much um, that you can provide us in terms of insights around personal finance, um, especially for uh, high school students. I think that's, that's absolutely awesome to hear. Oh, thanks very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And yeah, you know, my background is, is you know, as, as you said, we worked together at Finder and that was probably the start of my personal finance journey. I got into it late in life. So I'm um, definitely a big uh, proponent and poster girl for not necessarily having your finances in order from day one. Um, it's a, definitely a learning curve and a journey that you have to go on. Um, so yeah, and I'm currently working at Bright as a program manager and they're kind of in the finance space as well, doing BNPL for uh, solar installations mainly. So trying to remove that friction for people at the point of finance. Awesome, awesome. What exactly is BNPL for those who don't know? Oh, sorry, industry term. Um, so it's buy now, pay later. So, you know, uh, companies like Afterpay, Hum, um, they sort of provide a similar service. Um, but uh, Bright focuses purely on um, the sustainable industry, essentially. So they're there to try and help people finance um, sustainable improvements to their home, like batteries and solar. Awesome, awesome. I love that. I love that. I think there's a big focus now on sustainability as well. So it's absolutely awesome that you're involved in that. Um, 100%. Again, wonderful to have you today. So I'll, I'll, I wanted to start off to, to learn about what you think that young people are extremely unknowledgeable about personal finance. Mm. And um, there's, there's often an argument that there should be more focus on learning about personal finance in high school education. So I want to mm. hear what you think about that to start off. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, look, I think, um, like I say, I came into any awareness of financial services and financial products really late in my life. So in some ways, I, I do kind of think that it, it would have been nice to have had more of that exposure at school, um, particularly kind of, you know, economics. Um, I'm kind of out of the loop here. You, you, you let me know. But, but back in my day, economics was not mandatory at school. Like it was an elective. You could do it if you wanted. Mm -hmm. But they certainly didn't make much effort to expose you to some of those concepts if you didn't take the elective. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, economic theory is fascinating for starters. And also, a lot of those concepts are heavily in use in the business world outside of finance. Mm -hmm. You know, things like return on investment or risk return trade off, um, you know, th those are the sorts of things that just get brought up in the boardroom or, you know, uh, you know, around the cooler anywhere at work. So in some ways, I think it would have been nicer to have more exposure to that at school, just mm -hmm. kind of those those broad economic concepts. But um, I guess I, I worry a little bit that schools perhaps aren't best placed to deliver the more targeted financial sort of services knowledge, you know, it's such a rapidly evolving space. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of how to manage your personal finances and, and how to, you know, get jobs or, or launch startups in the financial services space, 
you know, I don't know that schools really have have the capacity to do that. And that's where I think organisations like Generation Entrepreneur play a really valuable role mm. because you guys have the industry contacts. You know, you've got fingers in a lot of pies, you know, lots of different people. And that's you can kind of be that bridge, bridge that gap back with schools where you're bringing that capability and that awareness to mm. them, which I think would be quite difficult for them to cultivate. I love that. I love that. Uh, I have an extension on that, actually. Do you think that it should be compulsory in high school? Ooh, that's interesting. Mm. Look, I mean, they make French compulsory at certain levels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, look, it's, it's a big, it's a big uh, statement to say yes, but I, I think there'd be ways that you can introduce kids to some of those concepts, um, you know, earlier on, and they could be formed up as part of a more general knowledge unit, let's just say, mm. if, even if you didn't want to go on and teach them like commerce or, or whatever. Mm-mm. Well, there you go. Definitely piss your teachers. If you're a teacher hearing this, then you need to piss your principal um, and, and so forth. I'll be pitching to everyone. Call your congressman. Yeah. Wait, sorry, wrong country. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, um, in terms of perhaps uh, more about the misconceptions or pitfalls in, in personal finance, especially for young people, um, what would you think might be some errors of that? Yeah, look, absolutely. Like, like I was saying, you know, it's, it's really important to remember that there's not just one set like body of knowledge or set of rules you need to remember to be awesome at finance or to manage your personal finances effectively. I think that's probably an area where, you know, I, I know that as a young person, I felt very insecure. Like, I don't know all the rules. I don't know how this works. And as you get older in life and life becomes more about keeping up with the Joneses, you observe your friends doing cool things financially and you can sometimes feel a bit behind the eight ball or like you don't have all the facts or all the information or knowledge. But you just got to remember like that, that, that standard thing around any personal finance stuff is that your circumstances are different to the next person. You know, you've got certain advantages at play, you've got certain disadvantages or liabilities at play. So everybody is kind of doing something a bit different. Mm. Um, and I just think that's like, that's a bit of an empowering thing in some ways, you know? So if you're, if you're feeling like you don't have a good handle on your personal finances, maybe you've just yet to find the particular play or the, you know, the mechanism that you can use to make sure that you get on top of them. Mm. You know, um, yeah, I mean, like, exactly. I, I think on that point, um, even the fact that Finder, where we used to work, yes, um, actually constructed this speed mentoring session in different uh, different areas, and one in particular was personal finance. That goes to show that even if you're an adult working in the industry at uh, some big company, 100%. you still need to be educated um, and and want to learn all the time. So completely understand where you're coming from. That's from it, exactly. And, you know, don't be phased by other, you know, the people around you at the barbecue or, you know, or, you know, at the pub who seem like they've sort of got it all worked out. Because, like I say, everybody's got different strengths and weaknesses or different things going for them or not, you know, and you don't know. Mm. So, you, you know, you might have a mate that's got, that's driving around a fantastically cool sports car, but maybe they've got some situation at work where they can get that car on finance, you know, like it's like on a novated lease or something, or... You might have a friend who just can never pay for a beer and appear completely broke, but maybe they're bootstrapping their own startup and they're going to be a billionaire in the future, you know? Mm-hmm. So everybody's journey is very different and very personalised. So it's, it's, it's not like there's one playbook out there. Mm-hmm. I love that. That Yeah, that's absolutely inspiring to hear for, for me personally. Yeah, no one else is going on. Relax. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Awesome. Well, in terms of... Um, your own personal experiences. I'm, I'm interested to learn more about how you've grappled throughout um, your life around personal finance and hear more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, um, 
until I joined Finder, I didn't have a really great conception of the financial services industry or the sorts of financial products that were available to people. You know, that was a great, it's a great company. Um, you know, log on, check it out because <laughs> finder.com.au really does help you find better deals across a whole host of different financial products. Mm. Um, and it's what sort of inspired me to nerd out on the space and learn a little bit more about consumer finance, you mm. know, and the different products that were available to people, you know, insurance products, credit cards. Um, but before then, yeah, pretty clueless, really. Um, and, you know, it, it's taken a little while to get my act together and understand, you know, the sorts of areas that you need to be focusing your time and attention on in order to make a difference to your future, like yeah. a real substantial difference to your situation in the future and have enough money to retire with. Mm. Um, I think that was quite personal to my generation, like a real a real common stumbling block, I think, for people in my generation, which, you know, I'm, I think the trend generally suggests you guys are grappling with less is credit card debt. Mm. Such a, a common thing for people in my generation to basically turn 18, get a cheerful phone call from the bank to just say, would you like to become, you know, would you like a credit account with us? We'll approve you up to a nominal limit. Immediately max out your limit uh-huh. <laughs> and, just, and then spend years paying it down. So that was like a real common stumbling block for people in my generation, which, you know, I, I think, yeah, the stats would indicate is, is possibly less of a concern for, for you know, up-and-coming ones. Mm. But the nice thing about that is is that, you know, all of those mistakes are learning situations. They're opportunities to learn. And for somebody that was terrible at budgeting, suddenly having this massive credit card debt, that that's kind of like, inf- that's like speed budgeting, you know, <laughs> particularly if you're working towards a goal, um, you know, like if you're galvanised into action by wanting to, put down a deposit on a house or something. You know, that's like, I've got to get my, my credit right. Mm. Um, so in some ways, that was kind of a good thing in hindsight because it forced me to learn how to budget, forced me to engage a little bit with, you know, credit cards, how they worked and and, and getting a balanced transfer card and actively paying down the debt. Mm. And then, you know, actually that doesn't do terrible things for your credit report. Mm. You know, when your, your home lender goes and checks your credit report and sees that you've incurred a massive debt and paid it off, mm. that actually is really reassuring to them and they're more happy to approve you for a loan. So... Mm. You know, I, I guess just making the point that there's been lots of stumbling blocks along the way, but you just got to view everything as a bit of a learning opportunity. I, I love that. Yeah, uh, I think there was so much trial and error just hearing by the sounds of it. Yep. Um, on the topic of, of like getting involved in starting to maintain your credit score, um, that is something I'm not personally the most involved in. Yes. And would that be something that you recommend for a young person? Yeah. Look, absolutely. It doesn't hurt to know where it's at. You know, because because any time you apply for a loan, that is something that your lender will be checking your credit score. Mm. Um, uh, and it's not terrible to know about the different triggers as well that will um, that will cause your credit score to go up or down. Mm. Um, and there's lots of free services. Finder has one. Um, free services online that will allow you to access your credit score. And and trying to find out about your credit score doesn't impact it. Mm. Applying for a loan that will impact your credit score, make it go up or down. Mm. But just inquiring after what it is Mm. doesn't impact it at all. And that number is quite important to your capacity to borrow money in the future. So when it comes time to, you know, uh, take out a loan for your business or or take out a loan for your house, that that will be important. So at very least, arm yourself with the knowledge of what it is and and what affects it. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. I think um, I'll probably schedule some time to do that myself these, these <laughs> Christmas holidays as well. Yeah, it's been a while for me too, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Awesome, awesome. Um, for someone who is starting their personal finance journey, mm. um, what do you think would be the best steps for them? Would it be perhaps stocks? I remember you previously told me about ETFs. Um, and if you think that is something that you recommend, then I'd love to hear more about that. Um, or would it be saving money or finding a job? Anything that you think would be a good for the initial steps. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
And it just comes back to that incredibly irritating, uh, you know, <clears throat> financial advice uh, piece of information where it's like your personal circumstances are very personal to you. Mm. Um, and I haven't taken them into consideration with giving this advice. Mm. So, it, you know, that that is uh, it's really easy to white noise it when you hear that disclaimer at the start of um, different pieces of financial advice. But it's very true. You know, it's really comes down to your personal circumstances and also your personality. Um, because different ways to um, use your money have different implications for you down the track and they involve greater or lesser amounts of risk. So it comes down to your ability to, to ride out things like, you know, uh, massive losses if you've, if you've misinvested your money or, you know, the extent to which you're just happy to watch it slowly accumulate. So it's very personal. Um, I think without being able to, you know, totally tell you which horse to back, um, a good first step, which I sort of skimmed over early on, really it took me a long time to, to get back on top of it. A good first step is just to know where your money is going. Just have a look at your bank statement, have a look at your credit card statement and figure out where it is you are spending your money. Um, it's a great discipline. It's, it's good for a bunch of reasons. Um, obviously, it's good for all the reasons of you know, having a look at your at your transaction account statement lets you know um, you can pick up problems. Like you can obviously see, like, oh wow, that's that's more money than I thought that I was spending at that particular vendor. Um, you can pick up things like fraudulent transactions. You can pick up like weird subscriptions that you picked up along the way that you've forgotten about. Like, why did I sign up to that thing? I don't know why I'm spending money on that. Um, you know, you can see um, transaction fees that you weren't you didn't know that you were copying on on different accounts. But more importantly, it just lets you know what your, you know, I guess what you need to budget for, what your expenses look like. And the first step in formulating any kind of financial plan, whether you're going to be saving money, whether you're going to be investing money, um, it's it's understanding what your expenses are. So the earlier you can get across and on top of that information, um, the better. And and be kind to yourself as well. You know, don't, you know, if you spend a lot of money on food, that's, that's be, be very unjudgmental with yourself. That's not a bad thing. It just lets you know what that's you're going to have to forfeit or tighten your belt around if you do want to, you know, invest or save. Love that, love that. Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely one who's guilty of spending too much money on food sometimes, but um, yeah, that, that's absolutely awesome. I definitely need to make it more of a habit to check my bank account. I, I don't do right. that too much. I know. Um, which is, yeah. I've just never got into a good routine with it. And, and you know, you, you see people and they're absolutely disciplined to a fault with it. You know, they've got mm. spreadsheets and they've got, you know, the date back yeah. to like 28, you know, 2018 or 2016 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's really impressive. Do you actually have um, a, a spreadsheet or how do you actually manage your own personal finance? Look, these days I've got a reasonable handle on it so it's more just like just a, just to check every now and then mm. you know um and it's great these days because a lot of the transaction accounts will actually give you sort of spend insight so they mm. they bundle up your transactions a lot more clearly you know so you don't have like i mean god i remember when i started doing it, you were just seeing like abns and weird kind of incorporated <laughs> business names for where like, where they spend at 80 bucks you know i have no idea what this business is having to like google their abn and look them up online but now it's, it's you know it's a lot clearer in the back end of your transaction account if you're just logging onto your internet banking and uh, and yeah you can also get roundups and spend insights if you get the right transaction account so that's mm. a really handy resource mm, awesome awesome um you spoke a bit about spreadsheets as well is that something that um that i guess a young person signing off should just get started with or maybe like um, another method like using an app or um just yeah. continue just checking through the phone like you were talking about just then oh look yeah i think uh, yeah I, I don't it depends how gung-ho you want to go with it really um spreadsheets are handy and will just give you a really nice baseline to work off if, you, if you're thinking about getting serious like if we're talking like okay i want to deposit down in the house in the next two years then that's probably a good activity for you to do if you're more just trying to build up your awareness of where your money is going um and you know why you're getting through it so fast after payday um then you're probably fine just to instantly check your phone and yeah you, you can 
there's all kinds of clever transaction accounts. Like there's ones that will bucket your money for you. So you you allocate a certain amount for bills and then it'll put any surplus into savings for you, but then put a small amount into like a, you know, kind of a spend account. There's there's all sorts of clever things you can do. So you can also take a bit of a, a product-led approach to that and research what's out there in the marketplace and see if there's a good solution out there. Just, just for your everyday banking account that can help. Awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah, um, well, there you go. I think um, that's something I'll be looking into a lot more. Um, I'm also... Like not the best spreadsheet with, so <laughs> hopefully there are some templates out there as well. I'm sure that there would be. Oh, there'd be. Uh, there absolutely would be. Yeah. You know, look, what have you got to do? Write it down on a laundry list. You know, <laughs> just, just, yeah. It's, it's just, it's about building that awareness. You know, mm. more than anything else. And honestly, that will stand you in the best step before you make any decisions. Knowing what your outlays are is the most powerful thing you can do. So yeah. That was that was amazing here. I, I think now I have more of a, a question around your personal opinion on this topic Hmm. Um, and there's always a a common battle for high school students when they're trying to work out should they be spending their money or should they be saving Um, and it's constantly fluctuating but I guess your personal opinion on on someone who is young should they be spending their money more on on living or um, those those kinds of experiences or um, should they be spending more on um, you know, uh, saving and yep. perhaps working towards something in the future. And this is very much your personal opinion. I know every single person listening is different and has yes. their own circumstances. Yep, but exactly. yeah, what are you? What would you think about this? Oh, it's it's so difficult with COVID. I'm sorry <laughs> to, to bring it back there and also, you know, timestamp this podcast for future generations just in case you were going to bring this one out of the vault in 10 years' time when COVID's gone. Mm. Um, but, you know, th- there is kind of this thing in my mind where it's like, so much has been taken away. <laughs> you know, get, get yourself a nice set of shoes, please. Um, so that's really, the, with that kind of caveat around things, um, yeah, it, it's it's tough. I, I will say that I think the model that worked for previous generations of kind of putting your money in the bank account and, you know, then putting your money in, in, in a house deposit, you know, that is it's not necessarily fit for purpose for current generation. It, it, it is. It's a great model, you know, and, and I think the constant escalation in house prices should attest to that but um it is it is a tricky model in some ways where we've had these historically low interest rates for such a long time where kind of inflation is pegged to go up so the value of the money you've got sitting around in cash will sort of probably decrease rather than increase that strongly suggests you should be putting your money into kind of more assets and and things that you own that will appreciate in value so so it is kind of tricky um, I do think that one massive advantage that, you know, current generations have that, that previous ones didn't is kind of around the investment space, you know, like owning shares and buying shares. Um, there's a lot of really cool tech out there that's brought down the barriers to entry quite considerably because previously, if you wanted to invest in shares, you know, you needed quite a lot of upfront kind of capital, you know, to, to really do a good job on the share market, you need to like, buy lots of different types of shares in different industries and spread your money around. That's, you know, that's kind of investment 101 is to diversify and have, have lots of different pots of money rather than, you know, bet it all on black, kind of all, put it all into one company. Mm. Um, and that was historically quite difficult to do because there were transaction costs, transaction costs every time you wanted to acquire a new share. Um, you could sign up to like a fund manager who would buy you a basket of shares on your behalf. But then again, they had quite, quite high bonuses and, and, you know, table stakes were quite high. You needed like a minimum ten grand to, to sign up with one of those guys. But but these days, like you were mentioning with products like ETFs, you know, like you you you're buying one share, but what that actually represents is a is a diversified basket of underlying shares. So you just kind of get that built-in diversification. Um, and there's also lots of cool apps out there where 
you know, again, the minimum transaction, if you want to kind of just buy shares off the stock market is like, I can't remember, it's, it's a five or 10K or something. But for some of these investment apps, I think they're, they're micro investment apps, you know, you can just put aside small amounts of coin, you know, regularly and get invested into into sort of a diversified portfolio of shares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard but, about one where every time you spend money, it would round up. Uh, yes. Or, or, yeah, it would actually round up and then it'll place it into an account for you yes. over time. I, I think they invest. I believe it's called Raise. Um, we're not sponsored, by the way, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. definitely check that out. There are heaps out there, like you mentioned. Exactly, awesome. exactly. Yeah, those roundup ones are really powerful, you know, and there's transaction accounts that do the same thing and they'll round up and spare change and put it into your into your savings account, um, which is also very cool and that'll and that'll then be the earning interest for you and you're not, you're not noticing it being ferreted away, I think is the the selling point there. Um, but yeah, raise where it kind of, you know, picks it up and puts it into an investment account for you. Also quite cool. Um, you, you need to do due diligence there because, you know, you need to look into the fee structure. Sometimes there's a bit of a sting in the tail with some of those products where they're charging a lot of kind of, you know, discrete ongoing subscription fees that you, that you mightn't get if you were just say, if you had like a, a free share trading account with your bank and were making your own stock choices. But, you know, if you lack the discipline to kind of do that, then, then they're not a bad solution. So I guess, in a roundabout sort of way, I guess I'm saying that, you know, maybe, maybe you could do both. Maybe you could kind of save your money, um, but there's also ways that you can be spending it on things that will earn you a return in the future, you know, that will make you income. Um, and that's cool. That's something to get jazzed about, right? You know, it's, it's almost as cool as a nice pair of sneakers. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, we, we've actually had... Um, I, I have personally seen much more of a growing interest in this space, mm. um, in investing in yeah. particular. Yeah. Uh, some of our... Uh, the, the teams at our competitions that we run at Generation Entrepreneur, um, we recently ran the student School Entrepreneur of the Year 2021. Yes. Awesome. And some of the teams actually started to look into ideas around uh, cryptocurrency and um, around personal finance as well. And in those particular areas, which shows there's, there's actually a lot more of a growing interest. And I think with the internet now as well, it's probably way easier than back then for you yes. when you actually got started into it. So, oh, 100%. Um, and there's been a lot of, you know, it's a really heavily regulated space, banking and finance traditionally. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that regulation has, well, I don't know whether intentionally or unintentionally, it's managed to like vest power in very few numbers of players, like the big four banks. But you know, it's starting to relax now, not in a dangerous way. It's still highly regulated in Australia, thank goodness. But, um, you know, but that's that's creating the opportunities for, for people to come through and come up with amazing financial solutions, you know. So, um, so that's really exciting to hear. Honestly, the calibre of ideas that you get from students in the Generation Entrepreneur Program, like, I, 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 yeah, I don't know what you're feeding those guys. <laughs> it's a very successful program. The way that you're able to just kind of bottle up all that knowledge and awareness, um, yeah, you know, from having participated in a few of your events before, the, mm. the ideas that come up from the floor are staggering, terrifying, mm. world-changing. So it's really exciting stuff to see. Amazing. Yeah, uh, for those who don't know, Gabby used to be uh, one of the mentors at our program, Initiate 48. Um, and that was hosted at Canva earlier this year in April uh, in 2021. So there you go. Gabby is amazing as, as a mentor, um, as someone in the industry. Um, and, and battle rapping as well. I just remember that. That's something. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> oh, man. That's a blast from the past. All I can say is 8 Mile had a lot to answer for for a period there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, when when Gaddy makes it and, and is rapping everywhere, you'll know <laughs> the roots on this podcast right here. Oh, if only I can combine my two loves, financial services and rapping. I feel like this that's a genre, right? There you it's go. Didn't happen. you meet your husband uh, at, at battle rapping? I did. That's <laughs> right. He used to host the battles and uh, and I would go along and participate in the battles to try and get his attention. And uh, 10 years happy marriage. It so worked out. Can't, wow. Can't, can't knock the tactic. Mm-hmm.
Do you think you would, this is sidetracking, but do you think you would actually you would teach your kids and make them into full-fledged battle rappers? <laughs> uh, yes. Look, we're trying to indoctrinate them as much as possible <laughs> with, like, the old-school rap. I was, mm. I was saying to your producers earlier that I'm not really down with the new school. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's a bit of a language check situation. So, so you know, to the best of our ability... <laughs> Um, while they're too young to listen too closely to the lyrics, I think we're pretty safe, but we might have to start uh, screening that as we go forward. That's amazing. Well, there you go. <laughs> Fun facts about Gabby 101. <laughs> so, Gabby, now I'm now intrigued about what you think um, of personal finance being a constantly evolving process for oneself. What's your mm, opinion on that? Yeah, look, I think that's a really good way to view it, you know, just kind of, you know, harking back to what I said earlier about it. it's not just like one set of rules that you just learn up front. And then you just play those out forever and all eternity and that'll work for you. You know, it's not necessarily a set of repeatable steps. Um, it is about getting out there and, and seeing, you know, making a few mistakes and learning from them, you know. So maybe trying out investing and, and seeing if, you know, you can grow your money or, or if you lose your money. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a really nice concept out there, a kind of investment asymmetry, you know, which is sort of this idea that if you invest money into, you know, equities or shares or something, um, you, you know, you can lose your money, you can do your cash, you can lose it all 100%. Um, but the amount that you can lose is, the only thing you can lose is your, your upfront investment, what you put into the share. But the amount that you could stand to gain from it is is not capped. You could, you could make, you know, unlimited amounts of money on it. <laughs> You'd be very lucky to do so and you probably won't. But, but theoretically, that's possible. So, you know, I guess in some ways that should empower you to think like it's not terrible if I if I try this out. It's actually kind of a sensible choice um, in some ways. You know, given given the odds and the and the possibility of return. Um, but you know, it's also not terrible if you do do your cash because you know you, you take these learnings away, like like me with the, the credit card story. You know, you take these learnings away and you apply them to next time. So it's very much an evolving process. I also think that some of these concepts, you know tax, um, you know, super, that they can be, they're not, they're not super difficult to understand. You can, you can obviously arm yourself with all the knowledge, there's great resources online, um, but they do become more, you know, as you, as you work through the mechanics of them in your, in your working professional life, they do become clearer to you. You know, you do get into a rhythm with them. You can, you can watch your super going up or down. You can hear the government talking about changes to the compulsory superannuation guarantee rate and that going, you know, hopefully just continually up. Um, and you can see the, the difference that that makes in your, in your pay slip week to week. So in some ways, as you move on through your life, even if you don't grasp something very well today or you grasp it reasonably well on paper, you can feel confident that you'll just, you'll, you'll become, you know, you'll develop competence in it as you, as, you, as you move through the system and you just interact with it more. So, so definitely, it's, it's very much an evolving journey. Yeah, awesome. I think, yeah, it's, it's always important to continually um, evolve how you learn and, and how you discover personal finance. So Absolutely. A really great point that you brought. Yeah, and don't don't have the stuff the stuffing knocked out of you because you've made an error or two. Like mm -hmm. they're all, you know, they're they're all learning experiences and they just they just arm you with the resources to do a better job next time, make a more sensible choice. Mm. Exactly, exactly. Well more on that actually. Um, how about for yourself and how you learn about personal finance? Do you do that perhaps with podcasts? online websites, how would you go about doing that? For yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm a pretty avid podcast listener. So yeah, 100%. I've got a few uh, regular uh, podcasts I listen to. And radio, I'm a bit old school. I don't mind a bit of 2GB, not for the talkback. Um, I don't mind a bit of Brooke Cordy on Money News. I think she gives a pretty good overview. That's more for sort of, you know, macroeconomic trends. You know, not too macro though, pretty, pretty, pretty close, keeping things close to home in Australia. So that's kind of good for a bit of an overview. 
Um, I'm a really big fan of um, of uh, the Equity Mates Media podcast. Mm. I think those guys do a great job. Bryce and Ren, shout outs if you're listening. <laughs> no. um, they've got a really good one as well called um, Crypto Curious, which I love because it just takes you through all the very basic concepts behind crypto. So if you're somebody that's a bit, you know, still in the dark about it, as I am, they explain it really well and break it down very successfully there. Got a few property ones I listen to as well. If, if, you, if you're into kind of um, property investment, um, property couch is quite good. Um, what's that guy's name? Bryce Holdaway, I think, is is the presenter there. Um, but the other resource, I, you know, that I think I draw on reasonably heavily is um, is sort of word of mouth, which doesn't sound great. But again, the internet has really accelerated this and made it very accessible and um, and and you know quite quite a useful resource. So if you think about the availability of forums like your Reddit or or um, Whirlpool, um, there's quite a good property one back in the day called Summersoft, but I think that's that's just um, just there for historical archive purposes. Don't think people are contributing to it anymore. Mm. And you know, you've got to you've got to fact check heavily, like with all things internet, you've got to make sure that what people are saying in the forum rings true and is accurate. Mm. But people are very forthcoming about their different strategies, the different plays that they are running. You know how how they're styling their playbook. Um, and there's you know finance specific threads that you can access and and get sort of you know. Just kind of, it's, it's equally, I guess, of looking over the fence and finding out what your neighbour's doing, really. So um, so those things, you know, without taking that as rolled gold, solid financial advice, it just is a, it's a bit of a wind in your sails to figure out what you should maybe be thinking about next, where you should be turning your attention. So I, I, I think those are great resources too. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think, like, the whole notion of being able to speak to anyone across the entire world about finance now yep. through Reddit and through our discussion forums, I think that's crazy. There was um, the, the whole... Uh, the whole phenomenon of the GameStop, um, the, the investing, yes. and, and what happened with that, um, and allowing everyday people to be able to get involved in uh, doing such large scale yes. events, um, I think that was really, really cool to hear. And, that is. Um, yeah, absolutely awesome. Yeah, there's another concept kind of in um, in finance and stuff that, that they talk about, um, oh gosh, what, like all the different imbalances or, mm-hmm. or inequities that exist when you go to invest, you know, like there's in like, you know, you, you don't have, you know, the, the investment firm or the company has this advantage and you as, the, as the, the, the everyday man on the street, you don't have that advantage. And they talk about um, you don't have as much information at your fingertips as kind of, you know, the investment banker does or a person working at the company does. But the, the great thing about the internet is that it's sort of, it's, it's readdressed that a little bit. You know, you do have more information at your fingertips, you know, because you may well be getting, you know, hearing from somebody that, that's got a bit of an in or has a bit of insight into, into you know, a particular company or a particular stock. So, I mean, look, you know, what we're talking about here is borderline insider trading, trading and I don't advocate for it, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's, it's very interesting how the internet has been a bit of a force for good in that sense because it's helped to address that traditional imbalance that is, that's existed between people who have equity and have shares and have assets and people who don't, you know. So that's, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of interesting. Mm, awesome, awesome to hear. Um, yeah, there's so much um, w- which we can deep dive into that, I'm, I'm sure. But um, absolutely amazing to hear you uh, with, with, uh, hear about your thoughts on that level as well. Cool. I guess the next, per- uh, next question uh, I have on my mind is, how do you think young people should juggle the question of their jobs and whether or not they should pursue something they enjoy mm. or whether or not they should uh, pursue something more that will make money for them as a job? Yeah, wow, that's really interesting. Um, gosh, that's that's a really tough one because, you know, 
like I say, from having had that exposure to the brilliant minds that go through the Generation Entrepreneur Program, like it, it really is clear that there are so many more opportunities these days that exist for young people with a brilliant idea to get their ideas off the ground and to turn them into something really amazing, you know? And that doesn't mean that every good idea is going to land, result in like a, you know, a company with a million dollar valuation overnight at all by any means. But, you know, definitely compared to the way that, that the workforce was structured previously, mm. there's a lot more space, it feels, for people to come through with a brilliant idea, execute on it perfectly and, uh, and, and start a company, you know? And, and I think that that is a very real tension for people, you know? Like, do I, you know, do I get onto the kind of the, the corporate bandwagon and do I do punch a clock and do I show up nine to five every day? Um, you know, or do I make a big bet on myself and what I can, you know, get off the ground mm. and, uh, and become a founder and maybe be a CEO myself someday. Mm. Um, hard to say which is the better route to take, you know. Um, there's positives and negatives either way. I, I probably went more the corporate route. Um, and that's obviously got the benefits of things like, you know, you, you get your leave and you get some flexibility around your timing and you get a paycheck and mm. all those things are very reassuring and offer a lot of security. But I think the downside there is that you don't necessarily get to realise or actualise your vision. You know, if you've got a vision for something that you want to do and, and execute in the world, mm. well, that's probably not something that you can necessarily do in your day job. You can make a contribution, but you won't be able to realise your vision in full. Mm. So look, there's pros and cons either way. And then, of course, there's that lovely other scenario where, you know, you do your day job, you come home and you work on your passion, you know, at night, whether that's coding up a brand new um, amazing startup or whether that's, you know, art or charity or, or whatever it is that makes you tick. So um, so there's no right route to take. But I think what you can say is that it feels like there are more options these days mm. for, for, for young people, which is really exciting. Mm. Awesome, awesome. In terms of, like, back then when you started um, around personal finance, how did that actually look like for you? Yeah, well, like I say, I mean, it was very much, you know, it was very much Finder that introduced me to the world of personal finance and encouraged me to really nerd out and figure out, you know, what the landscape looked like and who all the participants were. Mm. So I went on from there to do a financial planning diploma, and uh, and 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 really that was that was the impetus to get to get going in that space. Mm. Um, you know, I didn't have any experience in it previously, really. Um, I actually read this amazing book, which sort of set me off down the path, not to do a big book plug, but. It's an amazing book called um, Talking to My Daughter About the Economy um, by a guy called, I think his surname is Varoufakis, and he was the former Greek finance minister. And it is just this beautiful book where he is speaking in, in very easy to understand but not patronising terms about the way modern economies and developed nations are structured. And he's obviously got a bit of a fly on the wall <laughs> experience and oversight over that. Mm. Um, and that was, that was a bit of a catalyst for me, I suppose, because it just made me realise that, you know, some of the major institutions that we have were set up based on some assumptions and, and they are just that. They're just assumptions. They're, they're definitely ripe for disruption and there's arguments to say that we could be doing it a lot better. So... I found that really inspirational, um, and that kind of probably was was the start of my journey. Wow, that's amazing! I definitely want to check that out. I'll I'll make sure I note that down as well. <laughs> it's it's good to read even if you don't have a daughter. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Um, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Um, well, in terms of uh, being extremely meticulous then with mm. savings, there's always food being on sale. There's always uh, these these flash sales as well, like yes. it's Christmas coming up. Um, what do you think about uh, saving and being really meticulous with doing that? Oh, wow. That's such a great question. And um, I am such a bad advocate for this stuff. I, 
I think there's every value in doing it. Why pay more for something if you can pay less? Like 100% you should be doing it. But I guess you just got to weigh up like the time that you spend digging for coupons and keeping on top of those deals um, and, and the amount of money you recoup from that activity. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think there's also other routes you can take for trying to stretch your finances that don't necessarily involve coupon clipping. I'm just saying this because I'm really terrible at it. So take what I say with a grain of salt. But um, I always make the argument that like, if you know what you've got and you look after it and you have to replace it less, you know, and you're able to stretch stretch your finances that way, that has equal value to just always buying new things at a discounted rate. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I, I guess that's my my not very cogent answer there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, it's I think there's every you know there's every benefit to, to doing that as an activity if you've got the time and the brain space to do it. Mm. And I think people really gamify it as well, which is which is kind of mm. cool. Um, definitely, uh, but yeah, but there's other ways I suppose you can. Just because you're clipping coupons all the time doesn't necessarily mean that you are a good saver. And just because you're not doing that doesn't mean that you aren't good at saving. So, mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. I remember a previous conversation we had um, a while back, but you mentioned that your husband's really invested into coupons and saving. <laughs> How's that? How's, how's living with your husband and managing to that? Oh, my God. So that's kind of the subtext <laughs> to what I'm not trying to answer with this question is that I live with a mad coupon clipper. <laughs> and um, and it, it's really got its benefits. You know, it, it absolutely does. You know, he's, he's, he's always on his, his point scams and, you know, there's there's... But to a certain extent, it's kind of like, do we really need, you know, those 20 cans of beans right now in our <laughs> lives? I mean, maybe we could just have fewer beans, but, you know, make sure that we don't waste the rest of the tin. These are the items that go round and round in our house, which I'm sure are very, very interesting for your listeners. Um, but yes, th- this is why I have the argument that, you know, it's not all about clipping coupons. Sometimes if you can make things stretch, then uh, that's also a good way to save. Amazing. There you go. <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff. Um, well, have our... Another question for you, which is around investing and taking advice around investing and actually general financial advice yes. from close friends and family members. Should you avoid this kind of anecdotal advice? I know my coupons side, like your mm. husband might give you heaps of advice around coupons specifically. <laughs> I don't know if that tailors into financial advice or not, but um, I guess mm. overarchingly, what do you think about um, getting that from your family members? Oh, look, I think you're relatively right. If your friend gives you the heads up about a great, you know, 50% iconic deal, like jump <laughs> on it. Like don't, you know, don't wait to take further advice. Don't get a second opinion. Just jump on it. But mm. but no, th- th- sorry, in all seriousness, that's a really great question. Um, because the answer is, you know, take everything that, that your friends say to you with a grain of salt, you know, um, this is advice in itself. Do, do what you like, of course, but, but, you know, one should take the advice from friends and family with a bit of a grain of salt. Um, I, I mentioned the awkward disclaimer that financial planners and financial advisors are forced to give before they give advice around, you know, making sure that the advice they give you is tailored to your personal circumstances and to your personality as well, like your risk appetite. Um, and that's because... When, you're a, when you are a financial planner, you, you have a legal obligation to make sure you're acting in people's best interests. Okay? You, you, you can't give them what you think is a great idea and what works for you. You have to make every effort to understand that person's expenses, their income, their future goals and aspirations, um, and where, how they feel about taking on risk in their lives. Um, you know, and that is a really, really important discipline for financial planners and advisors to have. And, um, and they cultivate it. They spend years developing that discipline, you know, and there's penalties for them if they don't observe it. Your friends and family have none of this training. <laughs> so they don't, they're not thinking of you. They're not thinking of your goals, your appetite, your personality, necessarily. I'm sure they're very well-intentioned. Um, so, so it's useful in that it can, it can set you off down a path or get you thinking about new opportunities or ways you should be behaving um, or investing. 
but but absolutely do your own research and and just check in with yourself about it as well. If something doesn't feel right or sound like, if it sounds like a get rich quick scheme to you, it probably is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, <laughs> I once knew a guy from uni and we hadn't caught up for a long time, and he was like, "Yeah, let's catch up." Um, and turns out he wanted to rope me into a pyramid scheme. Oh. So there you go. Oh no! <laughs> Definitely do your due diligence. <laughs> oh, um, but what point in the conversation could you tell that was happening? Can just, I ask? Oh, so very, very suspicious vibes. Oh, <laughs> trying to get me to buy some random energy drink or, or start selling it. I was like, because oh, no that's not a saturated marketplace. It's yeah, just, it's just there for the taking. That's Greenfields. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so there you go. Do your research um, and listen to advice from a girl. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff. Well, um, that concludes the main part of the podcast now. Now I have some lightning questions. So oh. these are questions that we've previously done with all guests on the podcast so oh. far. And so I'm really curious to hear what your answers might be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're five questions total, and they're supposed to be answered in just one word or one sentence maximum. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, have a bit of time if you need to think about it. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. the general history is my strong suit. Um, (laughs) Less on on, uh, science and engineering. Thank you. (laughs) See how we go. There you go, yeah. So the the trivia questions, let's go. So first of all, what's the best advice that you've ever received? Oh, best advice I've ever received. Um, Probably it is that, um, (laughs) okay, this is the best advice I've ever received. It may not be true. Um, sometimes it's not a bad thing when you're making a financial decision to fall in with the majority, you know? So if everybody's... Unfortunately, that, that FOMO thing kind of bears out because if everybody's piling into this, into property um, and property prices are escalating, you kind of know that there's going to be protections put in place for people. Like, where everybody's got all of their cash in a certain area, I think the Australian government has roundly demonstrated over the past few years it will do whatever it can to protect those assets for those people, for that majority so, you know, you don't want to be a sheep. You don't want to just follow blindly where people lead. You've got to do your own research and due diligence. But, yeah, I think someone made that point to me many years ago that in some ways, you know, being an idiot among many idiots is quite a safe position to be in in some ways. Mm. Apart really? from pyramid schemes. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's the worst. Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's awesome, an idiot among awesome. many idiots in a bad way. Awesome. Uh, well, on to the next question. What's the worst advice that you have ever received? Oh, wow. Worst advice I've ever received. Yeah, I think probably like, you know, sit on it. Like if you if you get a, a stipend of cash, like if you if you made redundant and you get a redundancy payout or something, you know, just like just just stuff it in your mattress, hide it, you know, bury it in the garden. Like just don't don't touch it, sit on it, you know. And I think, like I say, like I was saying earlier, I think that advice is a little bit dated because the concept that you can just hold on to money or, or even put it into a, a low interest savings account is it's you know yeah take this with a grain of salt it's obviously a safe strategy but you know money depreciates in value so so you're actually not doing yourself many favors by just having your cash sitting around so i think previously when people have said just don't don't spend it don't put it anywhere don't invest it in anything that i think looking back that's that's been poor advice Mm, mm, absolutely completely agree with that um Next question so then. So thanks, people, for that advice. <laughs> Don't listen to that advice of, of, not, <laughs> of not investing your money anywhere. Um, next question. What's one thing you're trying to learn or develop right now? Oh, wow. Look, I, I think the financial services landscape is just changing so rapidly. So you heard me mentioning about, you know, the, the Crypto Curious podcast and things. I just think, you know, blockchain is fascinating and I understand nothing about it. So I am rapidly trying to scale up in that area, um, uh, you know, because whether or not you actually... 
you believe that it's going to totally revolutionise the monetary system or not, I think it's clear that the technology is here, it's here to stay, and it's going to have profound impacts on our lives and the way we transact in the future. So, mm. yeah, just trying to just trying to build my knowledge and awareness there. But you know, it's 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 a really exciting time. It's an exciting time in financial services. There's all kinds of stuff happening. So mm. keeping abreast of the latest trends and products that are available mm. is um it's just it's a you know it's a passion. It's going to be a constant hobby for the rest of my life. Absolutely, absolutely, awesome. Uh, next question then. What's one thing you think other people value but you don't value? Oh, apart from the coupon thing. Um, oh, <laughs> very specific person values that you don't value. Oh goodness me. We well, you know previously I would have said um, cars mm. only because I'm the world's worst driver. So I, I, I see I see the benefit and value. Like it's it's a mm. big it's a big purchase and it is good. It's good to save towards a big um, a big purchase like that and own that as an asset. Mm. Um, and I previously would have said that I wasn't really on board w- with that and I'm quite happy to just drive, you know, Mazda 3, mm. um, you know, uh, old lemon. That would, be, would have been fine with me. I am quite excited about the EV trend. Um, but, What's you know, that? Oh, electric vehicles. So oh, I'm yes. quite excited about that. Um, you know, but what I'm also excited about, and this is sort of an area that Bright is kind of looking to play is, there's different versions and different models of how that might look that don't necessarily involve owning the car outright. You know, there's sort of models like subscription where, and there's already companies out there that are providing this, I should say, that, you know, you can subscribe to an EV service. So you pay a monthly fee and then they sort out insurance, they sort out rego. If you prang the car after a week, they just you, it just goes away and you get a new one. <laughs> you never have to worry about it. So um, I'm, quite, I'm quite interested by that trend. Interesting, interesting. There you go. Um, well, the final lightning question there, if you had to enact one law that everyone else in the world had to follow, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's a real toughie. One law. Oh, man. In an era of so much regulation around COVID. Um, do you know what? I think I would just probably make banks more beholden to the laws that exist around them already. <laughs> you know, okay. um, I feel like banks could be doing a lot more to move with the times around some of the relaxation and the regulation that's happening. You know, and making sure that customers' data is available to to to, to new players. So, you know, for those of you that don't know much about kind of open banking, um, but basically, you know, banks hold a tremendous amount. They've got a wealth of information in your transactional data, you know, not not necessarily personal information about you, but just where your money is going and and on the transactions you're making and and on things like your credit score. Um, And new incumbents that, that, sorry, new companies that are trying to get off the ground um, and and work with this data to to do good things for end consumers. Like they're trying to work with that data to to let you know how you could be saving more or build apps that, that, you know, recommend investments for you. You know, banks are supposed to be now giving over that data to these companies, making it more available so that they are able to plug into you as an end consumer and deliver exciting solutions that banks aren't well placed to deliver themselves because they don't have kind of the, the research and development capacity that some of the, you know, the, the, the new um, startups do. Mm. Um, so, yeah, sorry, really long-winded answer. But I think, I think you know, I'm really happy with the laws that exist and the regulation that exists in the financial services space. I just mm. think that, you know, people could be doing a better job of observing them. Mm, absolutely. That's really interesting. And what a way to conclude today's episode. Thank you so much, Gabby. My it's absolute been an, pleasure. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure as well for me to listen to, to you speak and all the insights about um, who you are, how you came to be, and your view of this world, especially around personal finance. So um, thank you very much. Uh, This concludes today's episode and thank you to the audience as well for listening to the Entrepreneurial uh, Mindset Podcast. I'm Nelson and it's been a pleasure. Bye for now. See you later.